Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. tuned in you are listening to taylor terror radio taylorterrorradio.com we are live every monday wednesday and friday 1 p.m eastern time right here um if you missed any of the show today or you want to go back and listen to the show or you want to distribute the show to your friends and say hey check out this really cool podcast with this guy and this girl and they're awesome and well, direct them right here to TaylorTerrorRadio.com and or you can go to any of your favorite podcast listening platforms, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play Music, or simply go to Google or your favorite search engine and type in Taylor Terra Radio and it will pull up a list um, of different podcast listening platforms that we are on. All right, uh, here's the vitals. The uh, phone number, 323-870-3499 is the number if you like to call. I doubt we'll take phone calls today, but you never know. That's kind of a Friday thing, and we've gotten lucky a few times, and we're we're really not going to push our luck. The chat room here on Blog Talk Radio is open. You can sign in as a guest, or you can create a free Blog Talk Radio account, which gives you, by the way, a free 30-minute podcast. Once a week, no strings attached, good good people at VTR, uh, Block Talk Radio. And if you like to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me, Jason, on Twitter at Taylor. You can follow my co-host and my friend, my very good friend on Twitter, Tara Dublin, at Tara Dublin Rocks. And we encourage everyone to follow the show account on Twitter, Taylor Tara Radio. 
You can direct your questions or your comments there. Bitches, gripes, whatever um, you feel is uh, you know necessary to get your point across. Um, we have a very special guest on our show today coming up at the bottom of the hour. She's challenging Susan Collins in Maine for that Senate seat there. And that uh, Dr. Kathleen London is going to be joining us uh, at the bottom of the hour. That's 1.30 Eastern time. So uh, a lot going on, a lot to talk about. Tara, how are you this morning? Good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. Morning, good morning. I could not be more what? thrilled this morning. Full of coffee, and I'm, I had a nice slice of schadenfreude for breakfast this morning, along with my coffee, watching Michael Cohen getting sentenced to three years in prison. Bye-bye, bye-bye, and just watch the chips all fall off, you know. Flynn's going to go. Flynn doesn't want any prison time, right? He's been asking for no prison time. Flynn's going to get prison time. Manafort's going to get a longer sentence. It's all coming together. It, I, we're witnessing the beginning of the end here is what I believe, because with Donald Trump's personal lawyer being sentenced today and implicating him in all of his crimes, how much longer can this go on, Jason? How much longer? Yeah, uh, real, not not doesn't seem like very much longer. Let me real quick. Let me give a side note here for everybody on the Michael Cohen sentencing. If you're curious, um, I <laughs> I know these things. Um, in particular, I know these things because I was uh, married. Uh, my ex-wife is a oncologist. She's a doctor. Her dad was the warden at a huge federal prison, but just. To tell you how much people have asked me how much time will Michael Cohen actually serve of that three years federal time, you have to serve at least 75% before you're eligible for parole. At least. He's going away. Oh, he'll be away Bye. for at least two years. At least, right? 75% of the time. Oh, I mean, like well, so what was interesting listening to, you know, before the sentencing happened this morning, uh, the memo was – so what was interesting is <clears throat> the Mueller sentencing memo recommended almost no jail time because he was just so cooperative. But as the judge today said, your cooperation does not give you a clean slate, and the Southern District of New York was basically telling him to bend over and grab his ankles. It doesn't matter how cooperative you are if you willingly committed and knowingly committed crimes. And I don't care if it was your blind loyalty to Donald Trump. Nobody put a gun to your head, Michael Cohen. You were there because you wanted to be, and you enjoyed the lifestyle, and you loved the notoriety of being Donald Trump's personal lawyer. You had no other clients. You had no other interests outside of serving that man. So you reap what you sow. Karma is real, and it came back to bite you today, Michael Cohen. Bye-bye. He goes and he has to um, uh, present himself. He has to surrender himself uh, by March 6th. That's when his sentence begins. He's pro And they haven't decided where he's going exactly. While I'd love to see him in Rikers, he's going to go to, you yeah. know, like a Martha, Martha Stewart white collar camp yes. for, for rich people. Um, of well, course, yeah, if a black man be did what Michael Cohen did, he'd be in Rikers. But, you know, let's not even go there. Uh, right. He'll be he's away gonna be, minimum yeah, he's two gonna and a half be, years. He's going to be in celebrity surroundings. That's what they call it in the federal. I I know my ex father in law was 
a warden at federal penitentiary. He's going to be in celebrity. They call it quote unquote celebrity surroundings, and that's it. That don't matter if you're like a celebrity or not, or just a, or you are involved in some sort of high profile, um, you know, crime, whatever. But yeah, he's gonna. He's not going to Rikers. He's going to federal penitentiary, anyways. I don't think Rikers is is state. That's not federal. Well, I mean, well, see, that's the great thing is that because he's guilty in the state of New York, he could be sentenced to Rikers, but he oh, won't. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Okay, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, right? he absolutely could. So, yes, yes, he and could not go there, only theoretically. Was he sentenced, right, and he also was hit with a $50,000 fine for lying to Congress, So, which right. is separate from what it, he was charged with and sentenced for. So, yeah, I mean, technically, so if it was just the Southern District of New York sentencing him, if it was not if it was nothing to do with the Mueller investigation, the Southern District of New York could absolutely put him in Rikers. Um, sure, but won't. he won't. I mean, Rikers is like, I mean, it's basically a zoo for humans. It's awful. It's the, literally the worst prison. Uh, instead, what I heard uh, before, just before I muted MSNBC before we came on the air, the the place that they're suggested that his lawyers are suggesting. Is a you know one of those like I said the Martha Stewart uh, privilege camp. It's in a town yes. called Otisville, New York. Otisville, yep. which yep. is a running joke from the movie Superman in 1978 because Otis is Lex Luthor's sidekick, and I always call Chris Christie Otis because he reminds me of Ned Beatty in the 1978 Superman movie, and I always joked that uh, the reason Chris Christie stayed around Donald Trump is because. Donald Trump would promise him his own Otisville. So now Michael Cohen is literally going yeah. to go to Otisville. All of it just makes me let, laugh. Let, so let me let me do this, Karen. I think Karen. <laughs> Whoa, Karen. paging Karen Dr. is Freud, my fiance, everyone. Karen is my fiance. Karen is his lady. Whoa. I'm not his lady. Oh, where is your oh brain today? I, I, I'm gonna have to play her that clip back. She's gonna be like, "What? Um, what? No." Um, Shit, now I forgot what I was going to say. Um, well, was it about Michael Cohen? Yeah, of course it was. Um, okay. Um, then I'm sure oh, you have yeah. a valid so point yeah, to let make. Me, let me unofficially speak on behalf of Michael Cohen and his and his posse. He Michael Cohen has a posse? The, well, I will pretend that he does. And um, <laughs> he, look, 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 our boy Cohen... He did this. He made the smart play here because Cohen's got a wife and kids that he's got the rest of his life. Even if he serves the full three years, that's nothing. I mean, you can, as they say it, when you're doing time in the penitentiary, he can do that standing on his head. Three years in the grand scheme of things for Michael Cohen, he got. Look, he better be he better be down on his knees thinking that you know, he's Catholic. He better be down on his knees thinking the blessed mother that he only got three years and that he gets to spend the rest of his life out of prison with his family and kids and not like Manafort who's probably gonna die in prison. It's awesome. It's awesome to think. And it's also awesome to uh look at the words of Adam Schiff who says that the second Donald Trump leaves office, he will most likely get arrested. Um, I saw something yesterday and shared it that uh, from, I forget what the source was, it possibly, I think it may have been The Guardian, but uh, that Donald Trump very likely could also die in prison. 
which would be delightful because, again, I don't wish any ill will on Donald Trump other than a prison sentence. I want him to be healthy and in, uh, you know, physical, you know, in the best physical form to be taken to prison because uh, wow. an, an instant death or a heart attack, it's too good for him. You know, I, I, there needs to be some suffering that goes on, and that would include public humiliation and uh, life uh, of uh, the remainder of his miserable life with zero freedom and no Twitter. So that, you know, take away everything that he lives for. Take away his Diet Cokes and his Big Macs and his Twitter and put him away. That would make me so very happy. And I don't see how, because people are still like, two more years of Donald Trump. It's like, How? He has been implicated in more than one felony. Come on, let's go. Yeah. Um, if, if, <clears throat> if, uh, if anybody has a chance, you should go over and read uh, from, yes, well, from he dropped it late last night, Frank Bruni's piece over in the New York Times. It, uh, I don't know if you had it. I think I dropped it in the, one of our groups or something, Tara. Maybe not. It's called, it, the, the, hit, or the title of the piece is The Most Powerful Reject in the World. Uh, is there anyone who wants to hang with Donald Trump? Listen, this is a very, this is not what you think it is. This is, I suggest, this is a very powerful piece and Frank straightforward. This man has, he doesn't have any, I mean, this guy, and you won't come, I thought after, I thought, man, I'm going to read this piece and Frank's going to lay it out. I'm going to kind of feel sorry for this dude. No, you won't. The way Frank lays this out, there, look, this man, you know, oh, you know, he he made this bed, and he's got a lie in it, and and you know, he is the. I mean, he doesn't have anybody. Nobody wants to yep. be around him. He, he can't up. even get. A, Although, he can't even get a damn chief of staff. One of the most prized positions. I mean, you have a, a limited access to the president of the United States. You want to talk about furthering a career? That's how oh, but he has over ten man. people who want the job, Jason. Didn't you? Didn't don't you know that he has over ten? I, this is yeah, a new you number. Know I listed some names. I listed some possible names that that could you know. Joe take really that. wants it, actually. Mark Meadows seems to really, really want it because Mark Meadows is like the biggest traitor. He's awful. So Mark Meadows actively campaigning. I think he he said it would be a great honor. To be Donald Trump's chief of staff. Why, so, why um, does Trump just? Why doesn't he just put Ivanka there? That's what I said. Oh God, that would be awful. People, I mean, oh God, no. She's under investigation also by the Southern District of New York. Well, I'm so. just saying, you could go with Ivanka, Sean Hannity, Stephen Miller, go, or Kellyanne. Or Blech. if you really want to get, if you it's really want to get a Lewandowski. Corin Lewandowski, why not? If you really want to why go not? with a whack job, how Corum? about Scotty Nell? How about Scotty Nell Hughes? Ugh. <laughs> Jeez, keep going. Katrina Pearson, Tommy Lauren. Ew, there you go. Ew, ew. Oh, yeah, Tony, All of it's awful. Yes, Tony Lauren. Yeah, yeah, she'd be great. Um, basically, so if nobody respectable wants this job, and someone like a Mark Meadows is actively campaigning for it. So Mark Meadows is compromised. Lindsey Graham is still compromised. He's still yesterday tweeting that Donald Trump was the stronger one in that meeting with Chuck and Nancy. Oh, we have to talk about the Chuck and Nancy meeting. Oh, oh I've goodness. got it. That's like number – yeah, that was like – I've got Cohen one, two, 
The Clash in the Oval Office is number two on my memo list. Yesterday here. was the oh man. So yesterday was the day that Nancy Pelosi became president. Is what a lot of people were saying because she was the oh only adult yeah, in that she, room. Look, yeah. She really was. Because there's yeah. Chuck Schumer, and you know you look at the video and the body language tells you if if you heard zero audio and you knew nothing except you looked at the, a photograph of the four of them what you would what i would take away what a general casual observer if a picture is worth a thousand words you had nancy pelosi sitting upright in control fully in her power with some awesome shoes just she wore her high heels to stand up to that man yesterday so you had nancy fully in her power you had mike pence completely mentally checked out he was not he in was that room, okay how many mummified. pictures of him with his eyes closed? Okay, mental. I tweeted that he mentally went to the Bahamas with mother to meet, and then everyone was like, "No, no, no, pool boy." Well, you know, mother is the cover to get to the pool boy, but whatever. Then you have Chuck Schumer. His posture was so weak. You look at him; he's hunched over. He's looking at the floor. He he's looking at his hands. And then, of course, you have King Baby. With his, uh, you know, his arms crossed <laughs> and he's being belligerent. So the only adult in the Oval Office yesterday was a woman. It was Nancy Pelosi. And she, if it's not going to be, if, it, if everyone is going to continue to tell me that the election's not going to be nullified and we're not going to get the president we actually elected, then I would submit that once the Democratic House is sworn in, we can begin impeachment proceedings and Nancy Pelosi can be president. Totally and completely fine with that. And that is also a scenario that I had suggested months and months and months ago where people were like, no, that'll never happen, including you, my friend. I'm so very sorry, but you also did once say that that could never happen, and I asked you to wait to make a declarative statement like that until after we saw some sentencing, and now we have seen that. So every single day your opinion can change. You can say on a Monday uh, Donald Trump could never be indicted or not, not, that should not happen. But then by Wednesday of a week in this administration, in this world that we live in, you can completely reverse that because you found out Michael Cohen just got sentenced to three years and Donald Trump is completely implicated in all of that. So but look at the narrative we're already seeing from the other side. By the way, I've already yeah, gotten some trade about me. I want to hit on a couple things here. One in particular... Look, I got to eat some crow here, and, and I'll do it gladly on 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 Speaker Pelosi, um, soon to be Speaker Pelosi again. I, I, look, I've always been a, I, I've always loved, I've always loved, I have my differences with Nancy Pelosi um, in certain areas. Um, do I believe that we need new leadership here in two years? Um, do uh, that that that. You know, Pelosi and Schumer should step aside here in the next two years. Yes, I still believe that. Absolutely, I believe that. In two years, but absolutely. I, was wrong. I have no problem with that. But was Nancy Pelosi the right person to be in there with Trump and the right person to be speaker now? Yeah, I'm going to eat some crow and say absolutely she is. So yeah. I, I never hammered her. Yeah, I never hammered her or anything like that like a lot of other people did. I was just like, you know, let's maybe we need some new blood in there. Um, not necessarily a young person, but maybe somebody, you know, and, you know, I, I – I kind of saw, you know, from my own eyes yesterday when she, you know, walked in there and was in the uh, in there with Trump and mummified Pence and Schumer. <laughs> you know, 
She she was the adult in the room. She was controlling the conversation. Um, she was hammering it home. And yes, when she strolled out of the White House and slid those sunglasses on, that was super Dude, freaking like cool. Boss. Like a yeah. fucking boss. And like she did not know what she was doing. Come on, she had that red coat on. She had her yes. heels. She slid on those shades and she was like, I'm now the president of the United States, more or less, because was, she put him that in was badass. and nobody does that. But nobody. And, you know, I mean, if you put me in a room with Trump and, and let me talk to him, I could certainly put him in his place. And the, my favorite line that emerged from that whole thing was they wanted to do that in private because they didn't want to have to tell Trump he didn't know what he was talking about in front of the cameras. And as far as I'm concerned, you need to tell him he doesn't know what he's talking about in front of cameras because the American public needed to see him the way he was yesterday. They pushed back. He didn't he doesn't expect people to fight him, right? He doesn't expect people to stand up to him. And not only did she stand up to him, she got him to say out loud that he will take responsibility for the government shutdown. And she That's called how it the ignorant Trump he shutdown is. He is so and stupid. he did not like it. That is the most and ignorant he, man in the world. Right? That man is And so he let ignorant. himself he is, get in that situation. He, so he let himself let get yourself there. get into that. You're exactly right. You, you do not come for Nancy Pelosi. You just don't. Oh my god, and then he, man! And he was like, he said, he's saying, well, Nancy can't really say this, and Nancy can't do that. And she's like, you know, don't speak for me. You don't speak for me. And I was just like, uh huh. Tell it. She scolded him, like he was a misbehaving child in her class. She owned that room. She was the only one yeah. who belonged in the Oval Office yesterday. So, and in, I felt so, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know her. We had her on the show. She graciously gave us 20 minutes of a very busy day that she had a little while ago before the midterms. I'm in a private room where uh, we are all invested in supporting Nancy for, for speaker and have been in that room for quite some time. The pride that I felt for Nancy Pelosi yesterday, my, my unwavering support, knowing that I was, you know, supporting the right person for the right reasons, that feels as good as the vindication of knowing that I was right about Trump and the Russians and Michael Cohen, all of that, all along, all of that coming together in a symbiotic moment yesterday, all of the worlds colliding the only thing that didn't happen yesterday in front of the cameras was Nancy Pelosi saying to him, and by the way, we also know that, you know, you're in cahoots with the Russians and we're going to get you. I think that's the subtext. Um, and uh, now that we know what we know, what I'm really enjoying is the open discussions of impeachment and indictments on MSNBC um, with Malcolm Nance. I don't know if you saw, but Malcolm Nance uh, basically brought it, last night and uh, said, or the night before last and said, you know, the election needs to be nullified and the yeah. Supreme court needs to nullify the election because we know what we know and we cannot let this go on much longer. We know now, yeah. I mean, you suspect that's one thing. Now we know you have to nullify the election. Uh, do, and, but the, the, the question becomes, if you nullify the election, do we have a special election or do we just let the real winner take over as she should have from the beginning? That's questions that need to be taken care of, I guess, obviously, after the Democratic House is sworn in. But there is no way Donald Trump lasts until 2020. There, well, you know, I and I know that we've said there's no way this, there's no way that, but well, I've been I'm not coming off that. I will, I'm, I, no, no, I'm not coming off that because I, I, 
for a number for well for a whole lot of reasons, but but um, I I I, I'm gonna you know I'm sticking to that uh, because I do not see Donald Trump. I see him running in 2020, if for nothing else to to keep the uh, you know to try to keep the power of the presidency, um, you know and you know avoid indictment um, as a free man or as a you know civilian whatever however you want to label it, but. You know, I, I don't the way know I that we are going to – it's hard for me to believe that there are people within the Republican Party who are that hooked through the bag that they would allow that to, this to go on. I would love to believe that there are enough uh, – just enough people in the Republican Senate that will say, I cannot be associated with this person any longer – he is impacting my livelihood, my reputation, my political career. Someone like a Jeff Flake. We don't love Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake is a complete political opportunist. We know this. But he is also one of the few who has been vocal and will stand up and separate himself from the rest of the GOP. He'll do that. But he's also he retiring Jeff... too, though. Yeah, but if he can talk to enough people – are you know? Yeah, but I mean, Flake's got it. presidential aspirations. One day, Flake's going right. to want to run. Okay, he fine. Yeah, you know, I mean, so he's if retiring. That's case, yeah. If that's the case, then you need to separate yourself from the pack, stand out, and make a very bold statement. If you're Jeff Flake and you want to run for president in 2020, and you he want did. to be seen as someone yeah. with a spine and strength, well, he can't do that up. now. Look, he doesn't. I mean, he didn't run for re-election. Um, right. He's he's moving on. So he you know, there's a number of excuse me, there's a number of senators that can do that. And I believe that I you know, as we were talking with uh, Sherry Jacobus on Monday, I do believe and I was talking to a group of people last night, um, big donors and friends of mine, um, uh, friends that we, we, we get together every night and kind of trade overnight socks, blah, blah, blah. But anyways. Look, I do see a, a, a there's a lot of big donors out there that are that are just completely, you know, just done with Trump. I'm talking about Republican donors are completely done with Trump that that are donors to senators and excuse me, and you know, different representatives and what have you, and they're done. So these big donors, you know, you know, they're putting, you know, they're going to put pressure on you know, on their these candidates they they've supported because 22 Senate seats Republicans are up in 2020 and it could be literally a bloodbath. And it, um, and it could, and especially if you're going to continue to remain loyal to this traitorous administration, and we know what we know, and your constituents know that Donald Trump helped you know, rig the election well, in his favor and he was an active participant. If your constituents know that and you have aligned yourself with it, how do you expect them to trust you and, and vote for you? You need to separate yourself from it and you need to take a step back and you need to do it now. Now is the time because today Michael Cohen got sentenced. So today is the day where anybody who is even on the fence about Dissenting from, you know, put, being able to put country over party, it needs to happen today. It needs to happen before Flynn and Manafort are sentenced, and they need to separate themselves from the pack now, or else they're going to be seen as complicit. And that's just the way it is now. Anybody who still aligns with Donald Trump is complicit in treason and, and everything that he has done. 
everything. So, Kara, you know, I don't Kara, have a. Excuse me. No, Paul, I'm Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, Dana Rohrabacher, Devin Nunes, and the whole Maria Butina thing, which we haven't even touched on. Maria Butina is completely cooperating now. She yeah. knows plenty of stuff. So, well, there, there's a lot more to this because this is I, I know I, I know for a fact that that a a a large group of Republicans have have gotten together in D.C. And they have taken a real uh, liking to what transpired in Wisconsin. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, well, and they're going to see what – this is what they're contemplating right now. What, what can they get done? What can they do in between now and the time the new Congress is sworn in? They don't have a whole lot of time. What can they do? And there are things that they can do. Um, you know, let's see that, I mean, you know, Trump's, you know, they're, they're all kind of, you know, and, and they're also thinking over the next two years, well, what do we stand to gain? What do we stand to, if we stick with Trump, you know, what, what, what can we actually get done if we don't, you know, then we need to cut bait here. But it, I mean, there's a lot of that talk going around and it's scary. It's scary to me to 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 know that there are you know groups of of ranking Republicans in D.C. talking about hey you know we really like what they did in Wisconsin there you know just you know hamstringing the Democrats that are coming in so why don't we try something like that on the federal law I mean here in D.C. you know I mean come on I just oh I'm serious though Tara I mean would you put it past them. You know, I, I still, it bothers me so very much that anyone could look at this current situation that we're in and be like, you know, I don't see a problem. I don't see a problem with what's happening. I don't see a problem with Donald Trump remaining in office. I don't see a problem with Michael Cohen being sentenced. It has nothing to do with Donald Trump. I don't see a problem with Paul Manafort and Michael Flynn and George Papadopoulos and Rick Gates and all of the, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem. How do you not have a problem with 16 associates of Donald Trump being contacted by the Russians, including his main adult children? How do you not have a problem with all of this? How do you continue to sit in support of him? I don't get it. I don't get it. Your career is at stake if you stay on, the, on his side. Your, your life and your livelihood are at stake. Let Michael Cohen be a shining example for anybody who is deciding to remain loyal to Donald Trump. You may not go to prison, but your life will be severely impacted by your association with him. This is the way it is. Everything he touches turns to shit. Everyone yep. who associates with him is tarnished for life. When this administration is done, however it ends, it doesn't end well. And your reputation goes with it. And history will not be kind to this administration or anybody who supported it from any, any level. So you need to think, if you are a member of the GOP, and I don't care how much money the NRA has given you, and I don't care if Maria Butina got on her knees for you, I don't care. You need to God, take to the a NRA step back. Down so bad. Okay? I want to see You need to, take, I you need to separate so yourself. I want to see so many high-ranking NRA people behind bars. You just, I mean, I would get more jewel. Oh, my Lord. 
I mean, I I would get far more joy out of that than any of these Republican politicians. Anybody, all these high-ranking NRA people that's pushed these guns on the American public. She's telling all. She is telling all. She is fully cooperating. So we're going to know everything. Oh, man. That's going to be beautiful. Tara, we've got to go to a break. Yeah, Tara, we've got to go to a break. We've got our guest on the line. She is holding um, Dr. Kathleen London is going to join us right after this quick break. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. You are listening to Taylor Terror Radio, TaylorTerrorRadio.com, right back after this. I say my hell is the closet I'm stuck inside. Can't see the light. And my heaven is a nice house in the sky. Got that so eating and I'm alright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't see the light. Keep it locked up inside. Don't talk about it.
back, and we are better than ever. You are tuned in and listening to TaylorTerraRadio.com, where you can catch us live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, if you missed any of the show today, um, if you'd like to catch any of our past episodes, if you'd like to go back and listen to Sherry Jacobus on Monday, that was an incredible interview. Any of our incredible interviews, uh, whether we've been with Nancy Pelosi, um, boy, so many. Um, I just, Tara, it's been, this is our, I think, 61st show today, 62nd. And hmm. we've had so many great guests on. I mean, uh, everybody from Tara Setmeyer to to Sherry Jacobus to David Jolly to Nancy Pelosi to Senator Ron Wyden. I mean, we've had some great guests on. Yeah, and it's only going to get better and better going into 2019, I believe, because we are just oh, yes, bigger and Absolutely. better. And we have a wonderful guest joining us this morning, and you know how much we've been in uh, during the months leading up to the midterms. We did everything we could to get as many candidates on the show as we possibly could, especially the female candidates who were running. And now uh, that we've seen the results of what happened um, and we are looking ahead to 2020, one of the earliest people who have declared their intentions to run, please welcome to the show, Dr. Kat London. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you because my my slogan is when Democratic women run, stuff gets done. And uh, I had to amend that, Dr. Cat, because I used to say when women run, stuff gets done. But then we saw what happened <laughs> with, with Susan Collins. Yeah. And how she basically sold out our entire gender by yes, aligning. And she did. And uh, I really see her as, um, <laughs> you know, it's just like The Handmaid's Tale, right? Um and uh, it, like Aunt Lydia from The Handmaid's Tale is basically what I've cast her as because she's complicit. And it is really disturbing to have a woman in that position talking out of both sides of her mouth. Uh, it's, it's very disturbing new. for me. This isn't yeah, no. new. She, no, she has not played a moderate way, so. in the media, but she is not a moderate. And I saw this coming, which is why I declared my race in July, because I saw this coming. I saw what she was going to do. She, To me, she turned totally with the tax vote last year. Um, I had met with her ahead of the, the Trump care vote, the AHCA, and, and she listened. She was still, you know, at that point listening and understanding what was good for the country. And I don't know, something shifted after that, and the listening stopped. And I don't know if they have something on her or she just doesn't care or if there's something with her husband because he does work for Russia. I, I honestly don't know. But something shifted. And when she turned around, like, are we really going to believe that when she held up that little piece of paper that she had promises on the tax vote, that are any of us going to believe that a 22-year veteran of Washington is that naive? Come on. <laughs> Come on. You know, it, it just, that's when I knew, no. And so I knew she was going to pull this, this, oh, I'm concerned. Yeah, are you going to do anything? Too bad you're not like no. a legislator and you could actually do something and write legislation. You know, come on. You know, like, do your job. <laughs> and it's one of those things where you don't do your job, then fine. We're going to get someone who will. 
And right. so, um, you know, literally, as soon as as soon as she stood up in front of everybody and uh, made her made her speech, and and then eventually said she was going to support the vote for Kavanaugh, um, immediately everyone was like, okay, so who's running against Susan Collins in 2020? Um, so, and of course, Susan Rice was kind of like, oh me, but I, you know, I don't know that she's actually going to follow through on that. You are. Right. Like I said, I, I way before the money was there, I had already mm-hmm. declared. I um I declared in July. Um, I was hoping that my declaring would actually pressure her to do the right thing. Um, unfortunately, it did not. Um, mm-hmm. but um, and and mine is growing out of service. You know, in the same way that you know what I'm a primary care doc. I have been. I was in academic medicine before moving to rural Maine. The same thing that drove me to leave a salaried position and and come up here and do this. Um, is what's driving me to do it. It's not that I want to be a career politician. It's that somebody needs to stand up and represent the people, you know, and and actually do that. And and she is the prime example, along with McConnell and the bunch of them, of why we need term limits. You know, if you didn't need a better example, she started out doing the right thing. And what happened? What happened to her? She went in saying she only wanted to do two terms. And maybe had she done that, she would have left with you know, still having done the right thing, something shifted. I and swear, it I that, mean, it know. seems to me that it, it it happened to a lot of the GOP, that they were strong against Trump out of the gate during the campaign, and then even early on after the inauguration, they were still speaking very tough against him. They were uh, firm in their stances, and then slowly but surely – Every single one who had spoken out against him has been turned. And I can only imagine it's Russian money. It's money. It always goes back to the money. Because they either have something scandalous on these people to hold them down, like a Lindsey Graham. Come on. The skeleton's in Lindsey's closet. Let's let's not even. (laughs) But with a Susan Collins... It's I you know I think I, there's something to the fact that her husband has those connections. There is something there with her. I think it's money, and not so much of a scandally misbehaving, romping with Russian hookers kind of a thing. More like oh you know they both accepted money, Russian money funneled through the NRA. So yeah, I think eventually you're going to find out. You know, there's two different kinds of Republicans: the ones who are in cahoots with Russia and the ones who have managed to escape that. But I don't know who they are. We don't know. Right. And, and so, I think a lot of it is this plain old greed of like, here, we can yeah. use him to get our, our legislation passed. And, and, you know, since Citizens United, we've become an oligarchy and, and, and less of a republic, you know, um, democracy. And, and that's what we're seeing. And Absolutely. <laughs> Let's just go back yeah. a little bit for the, for the listeners who aren't as familiar with you. Uh, and your personal history, because they're like, who's this doctor who wants to run against Susan Collins? Um, because just because you're a doctor, that doesn't mean you're qualified <laughs> to run. I'm just playing devil's advocate. If I'm, Not, uh, I don't know who you are and I've never heard of you before, just give us a little a little bio of your background and uh, why you feel you're the right woman. I mean, we feel you're the right woman for the job, but make let's let's make your case to to those who are listening who may not be as familiar. 
So, so I have spent my whole career doing healthcare policy. Let me just start with that. Um, I graduated medical school, Yale Medical School in 1995 and have been very involved in patient advocacy work that whole time. So that means I go beat my head against the wall in state legislatures and federally. So I go down to D.C. and beat my head against the wall there, too. <laughs> and that yeah. meant... You know, and and to do things like get access for different things, to make sure patients have ac- access to things. Um, and that meant, even though I didn't think the ACA was a perfect bill, it was the best bill we could get through that particular Congress. I thought its original iteration was superior to what eventually passed and what has been done to it since, but certainly helped to keep it going. Um, I've also been a talking head especially when I lived in New York and Boston on all the major networks to talk about it and, to, and before it was the ACA when it was just healthcare reform and why it was needed and why we still need, you know, further healthcare reform and some iteration mm-hmm. of single payer. Um, you know, and, and I've been a single payer fan you know, since medical. So I've been involved in healthcare policy all along. Um, I am on the front lines of the opioid epidemic. I am fervently pro-choice. Get out of my exam room. You're not a physician. You have no business legislating what goes on in my exam room. Go to medical school if you sure. want to play doctor. Um, just real simple. Um, you know, and, and so at first, you know, I sort of felt the same as you. I've always want, I've never wanted to run for office. I was the policy person. I'll come and advise on things like that. But then as I saw what was going on, so many of the ills of our country are healthcare related from delivery of care and how we pay for it and who better to be involved in that than those of us who actually do this for a living. Um, right mm-hmm. now, the, the majority of the increase in cost has been administrative. Physician fees have not changed. If anything, they've gone down. If you look over the past few decades, it's the layers of administrative nonsense that have raised the cost. And that is very shameful. Let's start with that. Um, it's true, and and I happen to know this. My ex-husband is an emergency medicine physician who is now uh, he's not practicing any longer, but he does have the directorship of uh, three different emergency departments here in Washington State, and that's what he talks about when he's unable to hire anybody because of the administrative right. costs tying him up, not right. able to hire uh, more qualified doctors. Here's a question that has befuddled me for a very long time, Dr. Ken, and I'm sure it befuddles a lot of people as well who are on the side of wanting accessible health care for all. Um, why can't we have a system like basically every other country, like Canada? Uh, why do we fear socialized medicine in the United States of America, and why can't we do what Canada does? Because we they have, have a, pretty a good huge insurance lobby. You have CEOs well, yeah, who are money, making... Doesn't it? hundreds of millions of dollars a year who are trying to protect that you have right. um, who are profiting off the backs of, of physicians and others you have this is everybody makes money off of healthcare except doctors <laughs> Uh, yeah. You have um, so you have systems that are in place to to work against that. Who will sit there and try to say how awful it is when we know better? You have um, so you've got the health insurance lobby. You've got so you and the health insurance lobby is protecting their CEOs and their other executives along with their um, stockholders. That's who they're beholden to. They don't give a rat's well, ass doc- about patients. You know, <laughs> Doctor Cat. Dr. Cat, I think this goes back to um, Citizens United getting corporate money out of politics, term yep. limits. 
Um, because look, let's be honest. I'm not going to sit here and, and rattle off any 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 high ranking Democratic names here, but there are some very high ranking Democrats in Congress that take a whole lot of money from the healthcare industry. And, I'm sure there are. I mean, oh, there are. I mean, they're absolutely. You know, uh, and, and you know that's a huge problem. I mean, that's. I mean, it you was know, one of the issues got, with the ACA when there was no public option when that got taken out, and that was uh, that was a big gimme to the insurance industry, and and that yeah, was one of the things that destroyed it. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you would probably agree with, agree with me. You know, when that was, you know. Uh, you know, Obama was playing. You know, he. I, I think you know Obama was playing a little give and take there with the Republicans, and you know he gave a little bit. You know, to to get the ACA um, through. Um, I think ultimately, um, I, I think if he had it to do over again, he would have just went straight. You know, uh, single payer health care, um, which you know I completely you know support. I'm down here in South Texas, and I'm stuck with a governor down here. That won't take any federal money, take uh, you know, take anything. So even if you you know, when you're buying into the marketplace down here in Texas, say opposed to our neighbors over in Louisiana, where I have a lot of family, we're paying three to four times as much for our health care through the ACA than Louisiana is because they. Uh, you're take preaching to the choir. Money. We've had yeah. Governor LePage. He's the one who famously said that Narcan doesn't save lives. Right. Oh, yes. Okay. So yeah. yeah so well, I'm paying currently eighteen hundred a month for me and my two healthy sons, and we each have a fifty-five hundred dollar deductible, down from the sixty-two hundred that it was. Thanks. So I'm paying, Jesus Christ. Uh, for, yeah. So I'm paying eighteen hundred a month for for catastrophic care. It's crazy. I mean, the joke is I should run for office so I can afford health care. You know. <laughs> yeah. He just wants to runs her for office so she can afford her health care, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's, you know. It is. It's it's unreal what I just. I'm a, so that's you know, one of the reasons I'm running. Until Saturday. Right. Open yeah, enrollment it, it, is going right. on. Open enrollment until Saturday. And, right. and it's uh, it's not cheap. It's not. I'm looking at it. I, I am currently not insured, and I'm looking at uh, the open enrollment. I will make it before the weekend, but um, it's not cheap. Even for no, it's not, and, and so me. it's why I do. You know, I like many physicians. Um, I do offer um, direct primary care in my practice. So for patients like me who have this giant deductible, um, I do. And for my patients who are uninsured, um, direct primary care is like a is a. It's kind of like having a gym membership, but with your doctor. So for a small monthly fee, everything's included, and they get their meds at cost. Um, through a dispensary in my office, so most meds are like five dollars a month. So some doctors do that only and don't take any insurance. I do what's called a hybrid practice, so I do take Medicare and Medicaid, and some private insurances, and then I do that. And and a lot of the doctors that choose to go direct primary care, it's because they're tired of dealing with the nonsense of insurance companies, and I don't blame them. I just can't not take Medicare and Medicaid right now. I just can't stomach that. Um, although if they keep make if if CMS if VEMA goes through with saying that we're going to pay you the same for a what we call level two and a level four visit, they want to they're t- saying oh we're going to simplify things for you. Here we're just going to pay you the same fee for when it's an easy patient and a complicated one. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. it doesn't work that way. <laughs> You're going to screw um, me. Yes. You mean I don't think so. <laughs> 
Dr. Cat, uh, yesterday, um, uh, Susan Collins came out yesterday, and she said she uh, feels, quote, vindication um, as uh, Kavanaugh sided with Planned Parenthood um, and sided with the liberal justices on SCOTUS um, not to take up the um, defunding Planned Parenthood cases from Louisiana and Kansas. Uh, Collins said, quote, I certainly do feel vindicated. Collins said, uh, who reportedly supports abortion rights, told reporters, Collins, who decided to support Kavanaugh despite mounting allegations of sexual misconduct, provided the pivotal vote that landed the newly appointed justice on the bench and potentially swayed the balance of the court towards conservatives for a generation. Um, Yeah, that really wasn't reported on a whole lot. Um, What was your what's your take on that? I mean, it was was just. It was meaningless. It's yeah. about defu- funding or defunding Planned Parenthood. It has kind of nothing to do with that, and they chose to not take it up. So her feeling vindicated is misguided, um, yeah. and and that's nice. Good for her. Um, it's meaningless and still has nothing to do with what we all saw, which is regardless of what happened or not 30 years ago, he showed that he doesn't have the temperament for somebody who belongs on the Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah. no, I, 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 yeah, I would absolutely agree. We, we've had many conversations on on Kavanaugh on that on that very topic, going through the uh, uh, confirmation we had. Yeah, as, as someone who went, as someone who went to boarding school during that same period, I know exactly what all those statements in his yearbook mean. So don't sit there and lie, you know. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, own it, and I might respect you. Sit there and lie, uh, whatever. Yeah. Just. <laughs> yeah, but know, no. But that yesterday was meaningless. That's all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. No. I felt the same way. I wanted to. Yeah. No. I. I knew it was. I. I. I wanted to throw that out there and and get your take on it. You know, Collins and Murkowski used to be two 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 Republican senators. You know, quote moderate. Um, that you know we could kind of sort of kind of sort of count on, but but as you said in the beginning uh, of the interview, Collins has really gone the way of the right now, and and I would be curious as you as you as you stated you know to why you know to why is she you know why is she being pulled so far to the right when she tries to play herself off as a quote moderate? We all know she's not a moderate, um, so. You know, she I plays mean, one in I, the media. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. In the media. Yeah. 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 I'm not yeah. a moderate, but I play one on TV. You got it. That's exactly it. Ridiculous. It's all ridiculous. I yeah. mean, I, I, the hypocrisy that surrounds – I mean, we all know that there's hypocrisy in politics. I mean, I think that you're naive if you think otherwise. But the inability to separate someone's self from – the actions of the party, you know, like if you're going to align with the GOP, you're going to have to take responsibility for everything the party does. You can't cherry pick, right? So you can't say, I didn't do this, but I did this. If you're, again, you know, if you're going to sell out your constituents for your own personal interests, you should not be in politics. Unfortunately, that seems to be what most of the GOP is. So what do we do? I mean, obviously, besides trying to get women like you in positions of power, and obviously we're going to see a change uh, when the new House is sworn in in January, uh, it'll be very interesting to see what kind of Republican pushback we're going to get once the House starts trying to do stuff. So 
Uh, as we move forward into 2019, that's something that I'm going to be watching really closely is to see what the Democrats are going to do with the new power that they have and then what the reaction will be from sitting GOP senators. Uh, at, you know, are, is there going, are we going to be able to actually have bipartisanship? Are we ever going to be able to come back as a nation? These are all questions that I have. And then there's also the the question that people put forward is like, why don't we have a, a third party option, a fourth party, a fifth party option, so that you're not stuck between choosing between two people that maybe you're not in love with? And they yeah, want my more sons options. and I have talked about. My younger son and I talked about wanting to start the common sense party. <laughs> that sounds great to me. Yeah. Common sense would be delightful to have in politics. Yeah, because 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 you know I. Yeah, there are some things I'm very progressive on and some things I'm more moderate on and some things that you might even consider me right wing in my views on. And I align with Democrats because I have girl parts. And, and the only thing right. that the GOP seems to want to do is regulate that. Um, we, apparently, we can't regulate guns and bullets, but we can regulate, you know, my uterus. Um, and I hate See? to tell them there's no jobs in there or anything else. Um, <laughs> and I'm over it. There's no jobs in my uterus. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm, and I'm over Pardon it. You're you making know. me laugh. Um, you know, and, but and you're, are you okay? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. I was just laughing. Um, um, but see, you know, and, you and I just, I'm over it. And, right. Like, and, why and, does the government and, think that they get to regulate what goes inside my body? And they, and they just, they don't. And, and they want small government. Oh, apparently so small that it fits in my uterus. Um, you know, right. but that's, and, and that's enough. You know, it's, I, I, I can't. I can't go there anymore. I just, I, I, I can't. It's <laughs> just, exhausting, isn't it? It is. It's, 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 it's horrific. And, and that those are the kinds of things that just turn me off so much that they'll never, ever, ever win me over. Um, you know, and it's, it's, so that makes me unapologetically walk away. And, um, and, and, and that's why Tiffany and, you know, who, you know, well, Tiffany Bond and I are good friends and, um, and I understand why she ran as an independent, but I'm, in running against Collins, I don't think that not having a party structure behind me would be a good option. And that doesn't mean that I'm always going to be on the party line. And I am very forthright where I am and where I'm not. Um, Indeed you so are. What I, what I will Pat. promise to do, what I will promise to yeah. do is always tell you where I stand. Um, yes. Uh, doc, uh, uh, Dr. Cat, I, I was just, you know, scrolling last night. I was scrolling through your timeline, and, and as you were, you were just describing yourself there. You know, you can be moderate, you can be left, you can go right. Um, <clears throat> you, you tweeted something. You said that um, somebody had, I guess, asked you um, um, uh, about the women's march, and right. you said, uh, "That's a big yeah. one." And you said you you left when they scheduled on Yom Kippur with BLM unapologetically and could you kind of, and then you went on to kind of touch on, uh, Linda, uh, on, on, on Linda, uh, Linda Sarsour. So, so, okay. So let yeah. me, let me, let me say it. I'm Jewish. And so, hey, me um, too. yeah. So the anti-Semitism. so I did, I was involved in the first women's March. I did go to DC. Um, and then as it kept going, Linda Sarsour was appearing at all these very anti-Semitic, you know, it was really – she was going – supporting the Palestinians in a light that I knew to be untrue. Like, as someone who's been to Israel a lot and, and, and knows a little bit more about what goes on there, 
you know, this is where, no, there's a balance about what's going on, and I'm, I'm not okay with what I'm seeing here. So when they decided to do the march with Black Lives Matter on Yom Kippur, and then they were unapologetic about that decision. I, I remember that. I was, I was like, I'm done. And I unenrolled from everything. I, I, you know, I don't send me any more emails, got off of all the Facebook groups and everything else. I was disgusted, frankly. Um, and, and in fact, I, a good friend of mine who I'd worked on the war on women, um, she and I had a disagreement over it because she, um, she's a woman of color and she didn't understand. I'm like, this is Yom Kippur. This is our holiest day of the year. You know, this is not like something that you have to go look up the date of. It's everywhere. You know, so I was really, really offended. And, um, and she and I are still friends, by the way, but she really hmm. didn't, you know, she, so she appreciated where I was coming from, but didn't, didn't appreciate the weight of those. Um, and then uh, over time, so I was really kind of relieved to see more of the stuff that's been coming out. My, my younger son had pointed out about Linda Sarsour, and so he, he was the one who kept showing me some of the things that were going on in the women's uh, march and the leadership and, um, and it made me take a look, and I didn't like what I was seeing. And I said, "You're right." And 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 I so that when that came across my Twitter feed, um, and I saw the article, um, I wasn't surprised. And I wasn't surprised that it went back as far in time as it did. And it was, you know, to see that their support Farrakhan was, mm. you know, was upsetting. Um, and, 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 and unfortunately took away from what could have been a very unifying thing for women. Um, and it didn't need to go down that route. Just didn't. That's no. And that was when I was watching all of that play out, you know, I'm Jew, I'm the worst Jew in the world though. I'm not practicing. I'm, I'm more like socially Jewish, but mm-hmm. um, I'm a very, I'm still very proud of our heritage. It informs right. my humor, my life, all of that. Um, we need coming together as women. That is where it should begin and end. And it should right. not matter the color of your skin, the way you worship, if you believe in a God, it has nothing exactly. to do with that. We are not being you know, oppressed right. for that. Right. Right. We're I being mean, oppressed for I, having I, my first, Right. My, you know, I, I, I'm not anymore. I was Orthodox at one time and, wow. um, and, um, so I, I've been to Israel before and after the Intifada broke out and, and I remember going before when I could walk through any part of the old city with no problem. And then after when I couldn't, when I was warned, no, 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 don't go down those streets. You can't. And, um, and, and I remember talking with other women and th- that we were like, the women are the ones who are going to fix us because we didn't have the issues. We got along. I know, and and and, and so, I, I really, so to have that come down and to hear the things that were said and read about the things that were said was so disappointing to me, um, because it's not about that, and 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 to have it go that way, that's evil. It makes me. no sense. It and well, the, the and it's, well, that, it's it's why I say that to me. That's evil coming out. That that's the face of evil coming out. 
And, yeah. and, and, and honestly, that's how I look at that, because that's not about anything but pure evil. That is using something else for your own end. And it's no longer about unity. And if it's not about unity and it's about splitting people, then that's what evil is. Absolutely. And the question is, how do we get that, get the narrative back to where it should be, which is women united together, period, end, without anything diluting it? Because so I it's, don't care it's, what your so you start is. over, yeah, you start over again, and you obviously need the leadership, and so that's like the same thing with government. You know, like I wrote a piece that got printed about George W. Bush um, and H. W. Bush, the first Bush, you know, in his in in his passing. I didn't see politically eye to eye with him at all. Um, and my father's also from the greatest generation. And my father and I don't see politically eye to eye at all. I, and we cannot talk politics. We will start fighting within about five minutes. It's, it's ugly. Mm. However, we can agree on common problems and try to solve them. And that's what I miss, that, that we can come from politically different backgrounds, but we need to come together to solve common problems and that's the politics I miss. And that's Wouldn't what I want to get back to. Wouldn't it be nice? Can't we all just get along? Um, right? I, right? But see, the thing that frustrates me so much is the outside, you know, the opposing view to the Women's March, the, the right-wing view. They, that's what they want. They want us to be divided, right? They want us to be yelling at each other. They love the idea of women fighting each other instead of being united. And that's what kills me in all of this, that we, you know, we, we wanted to come together for a, with a unifying message and then somehow it all broke down and our opponents are really enjoying that. They like it when we're disorganized or we're fighting each other. And uh, it, I, it makes me insane because well, it's the same thing as a democratic the party. person. It's the same thing with the Democratic Party, where you have the progressives exactly. and the moderates. Exactly, that's the illusion. And, that's and the, it's the, the same illusion I'm issue. Next, yeah, it's the it's same true. issue, and it's like you can't do that. We have to really get to what is our common goal, and that needs to be across everything, whether it's across the aisle or within ourselves. What is our common goal? What is what are we trying to achieve? And, and, and stop with what our differences are. As a country, all of us have a whole lot more in common than we do different. We're human beings. Strip away the skin, we all look the same. Absolutely. But this is, was the, the plan that uh, Daddy Vlad implemented from the outset, and this is what he wanted, right, is us to be divided, us to be angry with each other, ready to fight at all times, frustrated, exhausted, all of that. Because a divided country is a weakened country, and that's why he was able to step in and take over the way he has. But, and but, what but, we need but, to do let me jump in is real, real be quick. more but unified and fighting back. Yeah, but we but but long before this, long before Trump came into office, uh, during you know we've had you know this hyper partisan political atmosphere hanging around D.C. for quite some time. Yep. And uh, it didn't. It didn't. Ju- I think you would agree with me, Doctor. Right. It didn't just start with Trump. This has been around for a while. I you agree. have the extreme left, the extreme right. You have some people floating around in the middle. But this extreme hyperpartisanship, this political atmosphere that roams around D.C., has been around a while. 
It just didn't come in with Trump. And People it, need to and, stop right, saying that. No, I, I, and and I know I agree with that. Um, I think that that it started to worsen under Obama, and I'm going to put that to racism. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. That that really the ugly side of America has come out, and we need to put it back away. <laughs> yeah. Get over it. We don't just get it. over it. Well, you know. Again, as people, as human beings, like the the xenophobia and racism that I have really seen that has come out so disgusts me and and discourages me. And I have to say, and I have to remind myself that, and and that's really what I'm about, that that remember that as human beings, there's so much more in common, that our, our DNA has very little difference between each other. And you know, point one percent difference between each other. You know, so that they there's so much more in common, and get back to that. And and how do we work together to solve the common problems? You know, however you believe climate change happened, I do believe we contributed to it. But whether you do or not, we need to solve it. We need to fix it. We need to, you know, and and all these things that are happening, our infrastructure crumbling, how we deliver health care, our opiate crisis, all these things, how we get along with the rest of the world, all these are things that we need to solve. We can't put our heads in the the sand. And the first step is getting the people who still blindly believe everything Donald Trump says, getting them to understand that he's lying to them and that they have been conned by the ultimate con man. And they certainly well, don't want to believe that. It's not a great thing to believe that you trusted the wrong person, that you made the wrong choice. It's well, not wait a minute. When Nixon thing. was impeached, didn't he still have like 30% who liked him? It's crazy. Like, how do you still, yes. because you yes, can't admit did. to yourself yes. you were wrong? There's worse there, things. No, there are stupid people. No, there are just stupid people. You uh, can't yeah. fix stupid. Well, I call them the willfully yeah. obtuse. Because they would well, rather you know, continue to eat stupid. what he feeds them than think for themselves. And if you're not yeah, going to think for I yourself, think. then you are in a situation of your own making and you get what you deserve. I think Trump is a mere – I think Trump is a symptom of a larger problem, and you have that on, you have that in the, on the left too. I mean, as we're talking about hyperpartisanship here. I mean, this goes on both sides here. And it's it's you know I'm a I, I'm my 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 daytime job is I'm a pool consultant, so I mean I you know I, you know I see this happening and it's you know it's not, it, when people have when we come to the realization and when everybody does that it's not just Trump just this didn't just start with Trump once we can get over that part. Um, then maybe we can start working on some real solutions and getting money out of politics, getting corporate money out of politics. I 100%. Getting fossil fuel money out of politics, um, term limits. I mean, these sorts of things um, that, you know, that dictates, you know, what our legislators do. And, you know, that's where we need to go. Dr. London, I wanted to thank you for joining us today, um, taking out so much of your day. Um, for all of our listeners, where can they find you on social media? Where can they find your website and all that good stuff? So the website is doctor spelled out doctor cat london for me dot com. So D O C T O R 
Cat C A T London L O N D O N F O R M E M E dot com, and that links to all the social media. But social media is um, my my regular one is Doc, the verified one is Dr. Chaya D R C H A Y A my Hebrew name, um, and uh, <laughs> Dr. Cat for me so D R C A T the number for me, um, and. Uh, that you can get to, and there's a Facebook as well, Dr. Cat um, London for me, um, and uh, all of it's out there. And um, please, I'm going to be in, uh, those who are listening from New York City, Monday night, um, the Dakota Bar um, on 72nd Street on the west side at 8 o'clock. Come, buy a drink, say hi. <laughs> oh, I wish I could be there. That's not that far from where my mother lives. I love another feisty. <laughs> my mom's 90th Jew. birthday. So mazel. we're going to celebrate. Yeah, right? Mazel, um, mazel. So we're um, celebrating mom's 90th and then uh, going and gathering with a few people um, to say hi. And, uh, that's fabulous. That's and, wonderful. Uh, it, it really is. Let me tell you something. There's nothing like a bunch of New York Jews getting together. Because I bet the jelly <laughs> will be fabulous. The meal will be to die. Um, congratulations to you and your family. Um, and I love another feisty Jewish woman on the other end of my microphone. So you are always welcome to come back and join us. And Dr. Kat London, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time today. Thank you so much for having me. You have all yeah, of our support. You. Go get them. All right. Thanks. Yeah, go, have a good day. Yeah, go get them. All right. You too. Thank you, Dr. Kathleen London. Um, I'm telling you, she now, Kara, Dr. Kathleen London falls right. That's some she falls right in my wheelhouse as far oh, yeah. as where, I mean, really, and you know, you, you know what I'm talking about as far as where my politics go. And mm-hmm. she falls right there in my wheelhouse. That's somebody I could absolutely, you know, you know, work for on, on, on a campaign and, and do it with all my heart and all my soul. Absolutely. I, I really, and that's, yeah, I really she's like a shining her. example of yeah. when democratic women run, Stuff gets done. I fully believe well, uh, she would be a powerhouse in the Senate, and she would certainly do so much better for our country than Susan Collins will. So yeah. um, I would suggest to all of our listeners out there, there's a lot – oh, my God. I mean we just didn't have time, but there is so much good stuff out there about her, things she's written, things that have been written about her, a lot of really good stuff. So I, I would encourage all of our listeners to go out there, Google – uh, Dr. Kathleen London, and um, I, I mean, just uh, her interesting takes. I mean, yeah, she she is exactly what she says she is. She can be left, she can be right, she can be in the middle, and but it, it you know, she, I mean, it's refreshing. That's that's what we need. Um, that's what we need. You know, we don't, we got, we have to get rid of this hyperpartisanship, Tara. How we have to, or we're never going to get anywhere. We're just going to be. In the same boat, going, going, going. I mean, we're just I agree. we're going to sail know, off the end of the earth. I hear you. Um, I saw something interesting on Facebook, and I wanted to get your take on it, actually, because one of the things that people are obviously starting to talk about is the presidential ticket for 2020 and who should run. And there was a poll. There's two two things here. So there was a poll that they released on MSNBC yesterday. Uh, who do you want to see? Running in 2020, the number one contender in this specific poll was Beto O'Rourke. Put a pin in that. The second thing I wanted to ask you about was the thing that I saw on Facebook yesterday where somebody somewhere had suggested a ticket where Joe Biden was the presidential 
person on the ticket and VP Mitt Romney, a bipartisan presidential ticket with a Democrat and a Republican running together. So I'm asking you two things. I'm asking you, what do you think about people already putting their hopes behind Beto O'Rourke? And then the second thing, do we want to see a ticket like, I mean, I personally don't want to see a ticket with two white guys on it in 2020, but do we want to see a Republican and a Democrat sharing a ticket in 2020? Well, uh, I'll answer your first. Uh, I'll answer the 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 Beto question uh, real quickly. He's not going to run, and um, you know he he's just not going to run. He might show up in Iowa. He hasn't been there yet, um, but he might show up there for a meet and greet or whatever. But he's not going to run, um, and he's not going to accept the VP uh, a VP slot. Um, he he's going to bide his time. He's not ready. He knows he's not ready. He he he's not he's not a person man or he uh, well if he was a man or one he's not suited um for that vp role and he's just not going to he's not going to make a run it's going to be a crowded field <clears throat> um as to your second with romney <laughs> and biden <laughs> it's interesting um you know i've heard that a little bit um uh, I didn't know that it was being posted everywhere. I've heard just the kind of like backroom chatter about it. Um, you know, I just don't know that. I think it kind of just goes to what you're saying there. It, it I don't think the country's going to buy into two white men up there, you know. Um, no. I, 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 Not in I mean, 2020. But, yeah, I mean, I... It, I mean, it should be the. I mean, it should be the. It's got to be the best ticket, and I think Dr. London would agree with me on this. Um, she's not with us any longer, but I, you know, if that, I mean, that's very. Inter- there's a lot of interesting, you know, parallels to a Biden Romney ticket. I mean, you you know, you're you're bridging. Look, Biden um, is always been pretty much a you know for one you know Biden is a is a cradle diehard Catholic. Um, Biden is a someone that uh, is a strong, you know, a military person. Uh, Biden, uh, you know, has a lot of, of very moderate views. Um, Romney, um, he's uh, obviously he's Mormon. Um, he's always been kind of the moderate. Um, tried to play himself off as a moderate. We'll see what he does in the Senate. I think that's kind of going to be a. a, a a key there, Tara. What he, what what Romney does in the Senate, how strong he how strong he stands against Trump and Trumpism and any of that you know garbage that comes through, or any of that garbage the Senate tries to 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 lay out there. We we need to see what Romney's going to do in the Senate. I think first, but I mean you know it's not you look in Feb, this February, which is two months away. Um, less than two months away, a year from February, we'll have our first Democratic primary. So remember that. <laughs> it's not it's not that far away. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, I like I, – I, I do like the idea of Biden. You know, I like the idea of a Biden-Harris ticket with Biden giving um, – at least laying it out there that this could, he, that he would you know m- maybe only serve one term. I mean I think Biden would be a good buffer coming out of Trump. 
Um, and with, uh, you know, you don't, I don't, you don't want a flamethrower on the top of the ticket, not, not coming out of Trump. You don't. And if you're going to be running against him, let's just say he, you know, I I say he's going to be there running. You say no. Um, but let's just say, um, for argument's sake that he is there and he is running. You don't want flamethrower against flamethrower. Um, that's not going to work, you know, and Trump's worn out as welcome in that area, I truly believe. Um, and, you know, his support is dwindling. So you, you, you don't need somebody to come up there and just be on the attack. Somebody like Biden, um, because Harris can be a flamethrower. And that's great because, you know, if she fits in that VP role perfectly and she fits into that role to, um, you know, if Biden was only to serve one term, um, to take up the, the mantle and, um, you know, run for president, you know, which she will ultimately do. Yeah, but I, I, I think you and I have also discussed the optics of a white man and a black woman on the same ticket where the black woman is second to the white man, and yeah, I don't but, like the optics of that. Gonna, but see, again, I think people are going to have to get over it. I mean, let's – come on. I mean, we, I'm I, just I, saying, I know the, op- the optics yeah, of it might no, be I difficult. I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, but – you know, we, we haven't had a, you know, I mean, let's, you know, we, we, we've never had a woman president. We've never had a woman vice president. We've only had, what, two two women on presidential tickets. One was Geraldine Ferraro. The other one was Sarah Palin. Um, so, you know, th- there there's not a whole, I mean, you know, there's not any, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, mean, it's I believe, time. It's definitely time. It's the right yeah, time. I mean, time. So, uh, again, well, first first we have to wait and see how the next year plays out as far as what happens with the current administration and how people um, take care of it. And one thing that a lot of people – look, and and this is kind of – you know, I don't don't know that, that, um, you know, a lot of people know this, but but, uh, Senator Harris's father's from Jamaica. Her mother is from India. So it's um, you know she she she's very diverse, um, and I think she I mean I think on a Biden ticket, I mean you know I I don't know that for me in my mind I know a lot of people I mean if you want a diverse ticket I I don't know where else you really I don't know who else kind of fits together real well because you know good old Uncle Joe up there you know you know, kind of ushering in the next generation uh, or the next president in, in, in Senator Kamala Harris. Um, right. You know, but I we also that... have heard, we have also heard the the rumblings that Hillary will run. And if she does, everyone else will take a step back. And then the question is, if she does, she's going to have to choose a really excellent VP candidate. And Julian Castro is trending because he's put, he's begun yeah. an exploratory committee for his right. own 2020 run. And I would say, <clears throat> pardon me, Julian Castro is excellent, and we love him. And repre- you know, having a Texan, uh, a Latino, a rising star in the Democratic Party absolutely makes sense. I don't know that he's presidential just yet, uh, but on the in the VP slot, I think he would be amazing. So he and Hillary would make a wonderfully balanced ticket. And I think, and I also have said this on the show, if she maybe had chosen him in 2016, as I had hoped. She might have had a better go uh, at it because she would have had a more balanced ticket. So uh, right. I here's he a, absolutely is someone who has longevity in politics. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. 
I've got a little. Uh, this is a little inside, uh, a little inside info that 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 um, I, I we uh, was in a conversation with some. Um, I think I might even mention this. Uh, I might have even talked about it on the show. I know I talked about it with some some other friends of mine that are in political strategists and such. But you know, Hillary has kind of come out and made this deal that she would absolutely. Um, she, Obama's, you know, you, you, if you've out there in the listening audience, you've probably read that Obama's had a number of these individuals he spoke to, Beto, and, you know, he told Beto not to run, by the way. That's, that's what has been said, that you shouldn't mm. run now, that you should wait. No, no, I'm Absolutely. serious. I'm serious. I'm serious when I say this. Yeah, and, and makes sense. That, that Obama and Hillary would both support a Biden ticket. Hillary would not run on the condition that one of her, as I, it was, I'm just quoting what was said to me, one of her gals was on the ticket alongside Biden. One of her gals, I'm, I'm quoting, mm-hmm. would be Harris or Gillenbrand. And right. what, I, what I've heard is Harris would be the VP and Gillenbrand would be appointed, would take a – Hillary if, – if it's Harris on the ticket with Biden, which would most likely be the likely scenario, then she would want assurance that Gillenbrand would have a high-ranking position on the cabinet. That's what I've heard. Well, and that sounds good too, and then, I mean – there's also minority minority leader coming up, like after the two years where Nancy Pelosi will be speaker. That'll also be something else in 2020 that you can look at is, you know, the turnover of the the power in the House. You know, who's going to be our speaker, who should be our uh, minority leader, hopefully perhaps majority leader going into 2020. We'll see what happens in those elections. But um there are a lot. We do actually. When people say that we don't have any strong contenders for 2020, they're not really paying attention and they're not really looking. Oh no, they're and, not. No. Um, so I think that what we'll, uh, hopefully, and we'll probably are going to start hearing more serious names emerging once the new house is sworn in in a few weeks, because we'll have a little bit more. You know, we'll have support. And again, you know, even though I've said this repeatedly, I don't want to see 16 contenders standing on a stage debating each other. I would love for there to be a cohesive ticket announced from the outset so that we can all rally our support behind them instead of, like we were talking about with Dr. Cat, instead of being divided, instead of fighting within our ranks, presenting a united front as early as possible so that we can say, this is our team. This is what we're doing. This is who we're supporting. We are unwavering. You will not defeat us. That would be fantastic to see. That's the kind of unity that we need to present in the party. And I would love to be able to see that. So I think if we can get that together sooner rather than later so that it's not everybody throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks, but that we say somebody definitively emerges by mid-2019 or sooner and says this is who our ticket is, that would be amazing to see, and I think that's uh, maybe something we can start. That's a narrative we can maybe start, um, because the sooner we present a united front and the stronger that we appear to the opponents, the more scared they will be. So yeah. they're yeah. they're counting on us to be running around like the clown card that they actually are. And what we need to do yeah, is be ab- the grown-ups yeah. in the room. That's what we need to do. So as we uh, come to the end of the show and we wrap and we look towards look towards Friday and we think about what's going to happen with the remainder of this week where we still have Flynn sentencing memo and 
twin sentencing and Manafort sentencing. And they've actually just announced that American Media Incorporated, you know, David Pecker's company, they have reached a deal uh, with the attorney general of the state of New York. So um, all kinds of the non-prosecution agreement. Uh, they admitted to paying the Trump campaign $150,000, and that's not okay. So we're going to see a lot of movement there. Carol, let me throw this out there real quickly, uh, food for thought, as we – I was going to get it in there um, on the uh, on the uh, 2020 uh, possible presidential contenders uh, on the Democratic mm-hmm. side. Somebody that I like, you've heard me speak of many times, and somebody – President Obama really likes, he had him up there and he talked to him for a long time, is Mitch Landrieu from Louisiana. A lot of people like him. And here's another possibility. You're talking about having this ticket um, with a Biden-Harris. There's also the possibility, a lot, look, Biden is somebody that, I mean, Biden, Landrieu is somebody that flies under the radar. Obama loves him. He's, I mean, and I love him too. He's so passionate. I mean, he so gets. He he's he's just such a good man. You could possibly see a Harris Landrew ticket with Harris at the top of the ticket and Mitch Landrew as her VP pick. Hmm. It sounds interesting. Um, Mitch Landrieu. We'll to- I know people yeah. say, "Oh well, Landrews and Harris are not known names." Blah blah blah. But I'm telling you that. That would be a, I mean, cause you're kind of getting the flip side right there of what you're getting with Biden at the top and Harris there. You're getting Harris at the top and you're getting Landry with somebody who's pretty soft-spoken and um, he's very compassionate he, and he really comes across that way. And um, But again, so, you hit it at the beginning of that sentence when you said name recognition, and I think that's something that, I mean, he can he has time to grow his name recognition. But there is also another name uh, being thrown about as a potential presidential candidate. And it's somebody that I really, really like, and that's Jeff Merkley from the state of Oregon right here. Um, and yeah. a Merkley-Harris ticket would be a very strong ticket, I think, also. So yeah, um, I think I, mm, I, I don't that, know that about might that. Be, well, mm, it takes, I don't first know of all, about because, that. well, it removes the question, is he too old to serve because Joe Biden is an older gentleman? Uh, Jeff Merkley has emerged. First of all, he really emerged as a very strong yeah. member of our Senate when he was fighting for the families at the border. He was one of the first senators to go yeah, down no, there yeah. and see it for himself, right? Um, yeah, well, I, uh, here, but, but here here's my argument on that, and I'm going to get um, – here's my argument for that, uh, for against that, and, and I'm going to get – you know. People are going to crush me for this, but with Merkley and Harris, you're going to have two really far lefties on the ticket. And um, I, I look, I, I we do we need somebody. We need a kind of centrist on the ticket, whether they be at the top or the or they be at the VP role. But we we don't need you. No, I mean Harris and, Mer- and Merkley are both progressives. Uh, you know, no, 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 no. I, I just don't see that. I wouldn't working. say that Merkley is as much of a progressive and that's only because i don't know about that well but also you have to look look at his record in oregon um i have voting record no i have okay so okay i think the word progressive is becoming a dirty word for some reason there's nothing wrong with progress it means it's moving things forward 
So, and I'm all about forward motion. I'm just saying, if Merkley is throwing his hat in the ring, a good balanced ticket for him would be someone like Kamala Harris, because he would need a woman on the ticket, and he absolutely should take on a woman of color, and someone who has name recognition, who has strength, who has a following. Um, that would be a good balance. Just saying. It yeah. would be. So there's a lot of could be, would be, should be. Again, sure. we have. I think the number one thing we have to wait and see is if Hillary actually declares. If she actually declares, because those that's what's buzzing, then we'll see who takes a step back and then who decides that they're going to challenge her. I, then we'll I, have a different conversation. From the conversations I've heard, from the conversations I've been privy to, I, I actually believe that, that I, I mean, from what I've been told, that she's, she, if, if all this kind of comes to get, if it, you know, if she can basically design the, have, have a say or play a large part in designing the ticket and, and the cabinet, I, I know that sounds, but I mean, it's Hillary Clinton, after all, she does know what she's doing. And, um, I, yeah, I don't think she'll run, but you know, who knows? We'll see. Again, I mean, I, I don't know why she would want to put herself through that again, but she's also the most qualified person for the job. So well, if yeah, she does, I mean, and it, yeah. you know, the idea of having to go through another campaign like that is exhausting, although I don't know that it would be a campaign like we had because we know so much more than we did in 2016. But and I would gladly not. I mean. Gladly support Hillary Clinton again for president, put all of my energy behind her. I absolutely would because I did already. And I've always been supportive of her and I've always been a fan of hers. But I would yeah. also say that, you know, I think she's aware that her presence does. She's polarizing. I mean, people. I love Hillary. I supported her 100%. She, she knows, she I knows just, that. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it's one of those, like, I think she knows she could, but maybe she shouldn't, and she's probably having a lot of discussions behind closed doors. Should I? Shouldn't I? That's what I've heard. Um, yeah, I've heard that So, well, I, again, yeah. I think we're going to be able to have a more informed discussion once our new house is sworn in in a few weeks, because then we're going to have a momentum that's going to start building and building even more strongly. And so... Um, you know, never a dull moment. That's for sure. Uh, I'll be very oh, yeah. interested no, it's to see be exciting. how the rest of yeah. this week plays out. Let's try to get through this week and see what the rest of the week brings us, because every day this administration delivers another crisis for us to deal with. Um, and uh, I'd uh, be very interested to see. Um, has, uh, I haven't had a chance to look yet, but has uh, King Baby tweeted about the Cohen sentencing yet? Let's take um, a look. You know, I have not looked. Um, he you has know me not. in my relationship with Twitter. So. <laughs> yes, he has not, he has oh, not tweeted quickly. about the Cohen oh. sentencing as yeah, of yet. Real quickly, and then we then we got to get out of here real quickly. Uh, a lot of people I had in my notes here. I had a lot of people asking me about Twitter purging accounts again. Yes, they are. And yes. they're purging the FB. Listen, people. Stop with these FBR parties and these FBR accounts that are old so and have. Dumb. Yeah, I mean, please stop. That's that's when people are losing followers, and and you know I see a lot of people out there, and then a lot of people DM me. They know we talk a lot of of kind of Twitter 
um, analytics or Twitter jargon here on on TaylorTerrorRadio.com. But yeah, no, they're 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 purging. No, and they're and and they're it's from these accounts that have farmed have farmed all these accounts through the uh, two, uh, through the election past election cycle, and they used that election. They used you. By the way, they use the FBR. They use the resistance to build these accounts up with huge following numbers and park them right there. But that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. Tara, all right, we got to get out of here. All right, my Ladies friend. And gentlemen, all right, uh, we're going to get out of here. Everyone have a great Wednesday. We'll see everybody on Friday for the Friday political wrap. Just me and Tara uh, going in alone on Fridays. If you missed any of the show today, you can catch it um, right here on TaylorTerrorRadio.com in about 15 minutes for downloading or your listening pleasure or any of your favorite podcast listening platforms out there. Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or simply Google Taylor Terra Radio, and you'll find a plethora of listening platforms to either download or listen to the show on. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Taylor. Follow Tara on Twitter at Tara Dublin Rocks. And you can follow the show account on Twitter at Taylor Tara Radio. Also, follow our coordinating producer, Steve Thomas, on Twitter at Kasich, the number four Indiana, Kasich four Indiana. All right, Tara, you have a great day. You too, my friend. All right. Christmas music, because it's Christmas time. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. A jingle bell swing and jingle bells ring. Snowing and blowing, a bushels of fun. Now the jingle hop has begun. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. A jingle bell's chiming, jingle bell time. Dancing and prancing in jingle bell square. In the frosty air, what a bright time. It's the right time to rock the night away. Jingle bell time is the twelfth time to go gliding in a one horse sleigh. A jingle around the clock A mix and a mingle in the jingling feet That's the jingle bell
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.